new APT report shows just how cost-effective physical therapy really is. I really like the article that was selected to contribute to the cancer rehab section. Like, but here's the but. I disappointed that that was the only article that was used to kind of establish a number value for cancer rehab. Because there is so much more that we bring to the table. Is there a condition that's more financially taxable, like taxing? That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, know, compare the $40,000 of, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome. Right. I know for a fact that cancer rehab is worth so much more. And so I'm, it left me wanting a lot. Right. How am I going to use this? Right. So this really wasn't for the public. This wasn't for clinicians. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right. Now we got to record the intro. You ready to record the intro? All right. Today, we're going to dig into this, which is APT Magazine. Ladies, hold up your magazines. There it is. Nobody has the magazine. There it is. We're going to dig into two of the big articles. One is the uh, the cover article, The Economic Value of Physical Therapy in the U.S. We'll dig into what the numbers. Elise is particularly pissed about one of them. We'll figure out why. She's nodding. The other article is about artificial intelligence and what this is. What's the impact of AI, knowing that we are at the very, very beginning of this thing, how artificial intelligence can enhance physical therapist services, and when PTs should use caution. We are going to dig into that episode. Ladies, are you ready to do this thing? Let's go. Do it. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. That's it. Now we have the end to be brought. I wanted the more upbeat music. I feel like we needed this. I call this drunk mariachi. If this is your idea of mariachi, I'm a little disappointed, Elite. but that's okay. <laughs> drunk mariachi. Drunk, techno, drunk mariachi. Yeah, um, <laughs> Elise and Rebecca are here, ladies, as we sit yep. just a few days before Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays yeah. No matter what Thank you celebrate. You. Uh, we got excited. I, I forget how this topic uh, came up. I was texting with Rebecca about the uh, new APT magazine, which comes out. There it is. <laughs> oh, look at that. All three of us. Watch this. I understood the assignment like even better because I was like, bam, nice. let's bring it up on screen. Very so nice. I, you can throw it there. But first, I want to talk about pop trends. Have you done this yet? No, have you made your own? I have not. What? Have you not seen this no. going around on the interwebs? No. Oh, so you know what a Funko Pop... Yeah. You, have, you guys are around kids, right? Yeah. A Funko Pop figurine, whatever you want to call those things, because now you can use... AI to do whatever. So people are circulating the, the prompt and then you just, you know, it's like Mad Libs. You fill in the blank and you tell it what you want it to do. So I was like, hey, get a podcast, make it a podcaster. So he's holding a microphone. I sort of described my outfit, what I looked like. And then there's my own little Funko Pop uh, thing. I mean, but your brand is like really brown in that. Yeah, I don't know why. I think maybe I didn't specify. I do like how, did you notice here, like down in the in the left, the, my little that. guy has a yeah. mustache, but nowhere else. Like a creepy yes. mustache. And, it's like a nice 70s stat. So I figured that was a cool thing to bring up. Let's talk about the AR, AI article first, the artificial yeah. intelligence article first. So in uh, APTA Magazine, which just came out, good, in my opinion, mm -hmm. good article. 
uh, highlighted a lot, and it's called What's the Impact of AI on Physical Therapy? It's not just Funko Pop <laughs> uh, artist renditions of ourselves. It's got to be something else. So I was lucky enough to also talk to Drew Contreras, APTA's Vice President of Clinical Integration yep. and Innovation, which is yes. a long job title, but very interesting. And Drew had some interesting takes on this. So you guys are in varying aspects and corners of the profession when you read this article what came to mind because unless you've been living under a rock ai is doing some weird stuff i made this thing and it's on the screen in like 42 seconds it's a little wild to actually think about it so when you read what's the impact on ai and physical therapy like are you where are you guys with wrapping your i am barely beginning to wrap my head around ai well, it's interesting because I think one of my first encounters as a physical therapist with AI this year was my performance review was done with ChatGPT. Really? How? Yeah. Um, so, and basically like I filled out a document about what I had accomplished over the past year. Um, they fed that through ChatGPT. ChatGPT did like a really beautiful summary of like what my strengths and areas to improve on were based on the document that I had filled out. And then like a recommended summary at the end. And I read it and I was like, wow, like it really put my year into perspective for me. And if you think about a supervisor of a large team who has like 70 PTs, right. maybe that they need to do performance reviews for, I think you're, you're kind of getting a good way to streamline that process to really see a great summary of what your employees have done for the year, a way to highlight what you can share with maybe your upper management and say, these are highlights for my team. Like you, then you can take all those performance reviews put that through and say, our team as a whole accomplished this. And there you go. So I, that was really my first like concrete experience with it as a physical therapist, which is maybe not anything covered in this article, but another way to kind of streamline some of what we do. You could go one step further and say, based on the goals that were given to me 12 months ago and everything I've just explained, what, what, would, it, what would a fair and equitable raise be for this person? Ooh, I really like that. Based on market values. I really like that. I mean, and then, and then, and then your employer, your employee can go like, explain to me why that's not happening. Why? I did not think of that. This is a mediator. This is artificial intelligence as a mediator. I've done that. I'm looking for a new job right now. I am currently, I almost said homeless. <laughs> I'm currently unemployed. I mean, I have other things going on, but I'm not homeless. I'm actually in a home, but I'd like to stay in the home. So I would like a job, but I've been doing that where I've, there's a, there's this really quick uh, way to just apply on LinkedIn mm -hmm. to a gajillion jobs, but I don't want to apply for a gajillion jobs because I don't want I don't want to waste my time. First of all, I don't want to waste someone else's time. Also, yeah. you know, because I'm nice, but also I don't want to I don't find a different. So what I've been doing is I've been, I uploaded my resume to ChatGPT, background skills resume, gave it a little explainer, gave it some depth, and then I said, now I'm going to feed you a bunch of different job descriptions, and then I made this fictitious. I was like. Uh, break it down into these four categories and rate me on a scale of zero to 100 and how well I match for this. And then is the salary appropriate mm -hmm. for that? Like I did all these different prompts and it's spitting out um, what I even made up a job based on, I won't say which company, but it's a technology company within physical therapy. They had two jobs and one I was sort of overqualified for and one I was sort of like parallel, but mm -hmm. not directly qualified for. So I said, take these two jobs combine them then rank me on these two things and i got a 96 and then i just copied and pasted that that explanation and sent it to the employer and i have yet to hear back but i would love to make it a story <laughs> but but do you see what it means it's like if you can think it you can do it so i think that i think now we'll get into specifics in terms of what pt what how this can be applied directly to our audience but finding a job mm -hmm. and doing performance reviews is 
PT because PT's a business. Elise, what have you played with so far? Is it you not know, just I haven't made Funko the Funko Pop, Pop yet, but that might be a project for later today. I've really leaned into one of the things that I spent a ton of time on, especially early in my career, was making up. It was like all the other stuff around the patient care, right? So I'm thinking of, I was in charge of writing a lot of presentations and whatnot to deliver to different referral sources and to the community in efforts to try and like, hey, you need PT, come and get PT kind of deal. And so I spent a lot of time on that. And what I've really leveraged with AI, especially chat GPT, is the creation of outlines. Like I have a presentation coming up. I know what I'm going to present on, but instead of spending mm -hmm. all the time that it takes to go from like an idea to a flushed out, I can accelerate that process right. by feeding it different information of this is what I'm looking for. This is my audience, which I think is what we need to be maybe leaning a little more into instead of just, you know, ding, 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 oh, ding, ding. write me a presentation. It's like, no, these are the people that I'm trying to reach with this information. This is the information you, chat GPT, need to know about them in order to curate an outline that better fits what I'm looking for. And so I kind of have shortened or shrunk those kind of first three to five steps into chat GPT doing it for me. And then I take it and I run from there and I curate that presentation. And so that's been a big part of what I do, both as a patient facing information source, but also as I'm educating other physical therapists. And that's been a big part of what I use with AI. Here's how I explained what you just did in a diagram. You have a bell curve, right? So going from idea on the left to finished product on the right. In the beginning, it's fun. It's like yeah. ideation and where's this going to go? And what, you know, I could do it in the flavor of Dr. Seuss with these colors and these sounds. And in the middle is like the busy work. It's terribly important. As you can see, it goes higher. It's really important and really hard. And at the end, you get to do the thing. But you get to hire artificial intelligence to help you do as much or as little of that middle of the bell curve stuff yep. as you want. And you're the boss of it, right? You're not just giving it and saying, do it. You're going to be there along the way, but that's a brilliant, I have to give a CSM presentation yep. and I've been using Absolutely. the crap out of it. Sounding board. Okay. Based on my audience. And it's, it's redirected me where a couple of times I could have gone off the rails and been like, oh, that wouldn't have landed so well. And so Rebecca, what about you? How have you played with it? Not yet designing your own Funko Pop. Well, I mean, one thing that I was looking at the other day was I asked ChatGPT why physical therapists should not be Ooh. in the emergency department. Ooh, you played the cat yeah. anti role. I liked that. Yeah. And, and so it gave me this lovely summary of like all of these reasons why a physical therapist should not practice in the emergency department. And then now I'm taking that and I'm looking at what are these reasons? Why are those reasons, those perceptions there? And some of them are valid. Like one of them is, you know, they're not medical physicians who cannot like stabilize a like cardiac arrest emergency, you know, it's something like that, like clearly outside of our scope. Like, and it says that, like it says the scope of physical therapist does not include these things, which are common presentations to the emergency department. But then there are other things that are like really eas easily addressable and they're like myths that I can debunk. And they weren't necessarily things that I had thought about um, that would be common because there are common things in the literature, but these are like common things that are from everywhere. And so it was really interesting to kind of take it and play with that a little bit and see how can I take this to help figure out what my audience doesn't know, what my audience needs to know, and how can I kind of change the trajectory of that conversation? Yeah. But I mean, what a, what a quick way to, um, to remove the bullets from your 
opposition's gun. Like I call it like eight yes. miling, like when Eminem like said all the things that the guy was going to say about him in the rap battle. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mm -hmm. saw that. And I answered that question. Yeah. And I think too, I was thinking also when I read this article about how it talks about how AI can help patients at home with exercises and things like that. And I thought about all of my patients who don't have access to physical therapy. And I thought, well, if you can't afford physical therapy, access physical therapy, can we use AI to help you fill that gap? And until we really have patient-centered care and not payer-centered care, I think we need to leverage all the technologies, tools, and, and things that are making care accessible for our patients so that physical therapy isn't such a luxury. Yeah. All right. So let's get back into this uh, article mm -hmm. and just highlight a few things. So number one was the prediction of care or the prediction yeah. of outcomes that jumped out at me. I made notes, which will shock all of my professors. <laughs> I barely, I didn't take notes in PT school. I, I cannot do two things at once. If you want me to listen, I can listen. If you want me to take notes, I'm taking notes, but I'm not doing both. But I actually took notes in this. And that was kind of cool to me, which is you could feed it data from your patients and learn about you and where you might think, I am so great at this. And then the data will be like, in fact, you are in fact not great at this. You are actually, oh, mediocre. And then you can improve. But really, it was the prediction of care or prediction of outcomes based mm -hmm. on, I mean, that's why we study history is to predict the future. So that was kind of cool to wrap my head I around. really enjoyed that. And, you know, I feel like PT has already tried to do that. And we like we do that to some extent. You know, I remember in school, you oh, know, no, we learned right. these uh, like, uh, my God, we called them the back boxes, and that is not at all what they're called. But you learn these characteristics of like, you know, this most accurately or commonly is indicative of this type of back pain, whereas this presentation is most characteristic of this back pain. And so I really like that aspect, especially in areas like we are coming out with CPGs and whatnot in oncology, but we are very much behind the ortho world. And so I like that we can leverage this to kind of accelerate that process, helping clinicians get to the point of what is actually happening here and get to treatment faster. But what you just said was memorizing the back mm -hmm. boxes. And I did that too, right? You're memorizing stuff. I remember my best friend in fifth grade, he's still my best friend, Brian, he like knew every president in order because he was going to be a social studies teacher from third grade on. And he is, in fact, a social studies teacher. And I remember thinking Brian's the smartest guy in the world because he knows mm -hmm. all the presidents in order. He just memorized them. And I was like, I, you know, that's insane to me. But like, that's not that that's useless right now. But memorizing the back boxes is like memorizing the presidents in order and what party they were and what year, because now that can be done or accessed at the snap of a finger or the, you know, I would say right now at the, at the stroke of a few keys, but now it's going to be, you know, it's going to be voice powered. It, it already is if you know how to do it. So it's like you can spend the time again on the right side of that bell curve, hanging out with the human instead of memorizing the, the, the back boxes. And so prediction of care was very, and, and predicting or being able to predict outcomes. People want to know how much it's going to cost me, how long mm -hmm. is it going to take, what's, what am I going to get out of it, right? So in terms of outcomes, Rebecca, what, where, where'd your head go with that? Actually, I just want to ask you a question about yeah. that, like with this like diagnosis. So if I can voice activate that, put that into an AI system, so can my patient. Yes. So do you think that this is going to like decrease the number of patients that come to physical therapy? Or do you think it actually has the potential to increase that? Because if I'm putting all those symptoms in, I'm like, oh, the right place to go for this is actually with, to see a physical therapist. Yeah. So somebody somebody asked me that a couple of months ago, and I won't say what organization they work for. They're like, how do we and they didn't use the word rig, but they were like, how do we essentially how do we 
do SEO with artificial intelligence to make sure when someone puts in this question, we're an answer. And I was like, you're not getting it. This isn't SEO. This isn't like how to structure words properly so that you're the top search query. Like if you're the answer, you'll be the answer. So I would say like this goes back to improving what you do, what you're good at and what you're actually uh, providing for someone. I don't know. Um, I think if someone is savvy enough to think and, and do stuff like that, that they're going to either say that I want someone to help me do this. Right. I'm, I mean, I Google stuff all the time until I hit a ceiling and I'm like, I can't do this. So now I'm going to call a plumber. I'm going to call an electrician because I don't want to blow myself. I up think and flood my I have a controversial so, point to what Jimmy's saying right here, which is, I actually don't think this is going to change drastically the number of people who get into rehab um, because I do think like a lot of the issues that we're facing in rehab are still a thing like accessible, affordable care is still really problematic. But there is a degree of if like I'm pretty good at searching for things and finding the answer like that is a skill that I have. And so a lot of times kind of what Jimmy is talking about is I know that I can mm -hmm. find the answer probably if I spend some time doing it. There are some people who are like, I don't like I could Google it. I'm not going to Google it. I'm just right. going to go to the professional who can help me with this, you know, whatever that is, healthcare or otherwise. And on the other spectrum of that, on the other end of the spectrum, there's also people who are like, I will not go to or I cannot go to a professional. And so I am going to do right. the DIY, you know, thing here. And so I think there there's definitely potential to improve and increase maybe the number of people who can access this information because there is a a computer, a supercomputer, an AI who is helping with that. I don't know that it's necessarily going to change how many people get care. Does that make sense? This is, yeah. this is how I used to explain uh, to concert promoters. So a concert promoter is essentially a professional gambler. This is a person who has money and then they know Foo Fighters is on tour. So they're like, I'm going to rent the local venue mm -hmm. on me. I'm going to set the ticket price and I'm going to I'm going to pay for Foo Fighters to come here for a night. And then I'm going to hope that mo enough people buy tickets at this cost to cover the venue, mm -hmm. cover Foo Fighters and make me some money. Right. Mm -hmm. And the way concert promoters would do that is they're just playing the odds. So like they're understanding that there are X number of Foo Fighter fans that are always going to mm -hmm. go to the show. And there are X number of people who are never going to ever like Foo Fighters. <laughs> right. I'm going to go to the show. So is Rebecca. And there's people in the market that are just like not my thing. And they realize that they're not competing for the nevers or the alwayses. They're taught. They're looking at the middle, the jump balls, the people in the middle of bell curve. And what I, the minimal that I, things that I know about bell curves is that mm -hmm. middle part is the biggest. And that's the one I want to be talking about. So yeah, I think, I think, I think it won't hurt. And also it doesn't even matter if we do think right. it'll hurt. It's going to come anyway. So what do you get? Yeah, right. Learn it and embrace it. Um, Two things that I want to wrap our heads around too, and this goes along with advocacy, right? So with Drew Contreras, our conversation, I think I used the analogy of burning the candle at both ends in a good way. Let's let's burn the okay. problem down from both ends. Number one, I'm glad that there are people that go to Washington, D.C. and have meetings and they're lobbyists or government people. I don't know what they actually do. They know what they do. I'm glad they do it. I don't want to do it. But I'm, I'll gladly give my money to the pack and you go do it. Because again, I'm not like the person's not going to Google that. I'm not mm -hmm. going to go to, I'm not going to write the letter. I'm just not. I, because you do it. But I'm glad they're doing that. So that's burning the candle at one end. In terms of documentation, like, you know, just absolute, you know, administrative burden. And then 
reimbursement costs. Keep advocating, but while we're at it, we know that we likely, and this is through AI, we over-document as a profession. We think we keep complaining about how stringent the rules are when actually we do more than is required. So that's actually on us. You're not doing it right. You're doing too much. And you're potentially, not potentially, but some of the research has shown that you are leaving money on the table because you've done things and have not built for them. So these two things I wanted to lump together, which is documentation will be made much easier. There's already companies that you put a microphone on like a police body cam and it records the conversation between you and patients and it will get you to 95% of your note. That's relieving the administrative burden, right? Just what's needed. And the other thing is you did all these things. Did you bill for the things properly? Like this is great because you won't have to be nervous about overbilling and potentially getting an audit. Like, ugh, so what do we do as an altruistic profession? We underbill and overdocument. This is saying do both appropriately and then everybody wins. So that thing to me, I started to go, oh yeah, no, this isn't futuristic. This is here. So those two things make your job easier and help you get paid more for doing the thing you're already doing. Win-win in my, in my brain. Thoughts, ladies. In the ED, we need more time specifically. And so if you have something that could streamline your documentation and you could tailor it to the right audience, because sometimes my audience is an outpatient PT, like I'm sending this patient to you. Sometimes I need to be justifying a piece of equipment. I need to be justifying an acute rehab admission from the ED. So if we could like streamline that and manage to have that tailored to the right audience, so it was the most effective not only the most efficient, I think that would be a huge time saver. Huge. Again, you huge. get you, there's that bell curve again. You get to do the fun part on the left side of that bell curve where it's high fun, low lift, which is talk to people and figure the stuff out, right? And more people. We can help more people. Right. Correct. Elise, where'd your head go with what I was laying down there with documentation? Yeah, I like it. it. It is interesting to see. So I used to work inside of a facility where the physicians and nurse practitioners, they actually would like they would do their eval or whatever with their patient. And then immediately after the visit was done, like they would take some notes, but immediately after that session was done, they usually had like an allotted time where they would get on camera with a scribe thank you i was like stenographer is not the right word they would get on camera with a scribe and they would literally just of you know what they had from the session and i think there's there's two ways that i kind of go with this having ai recording as we go would help eliminate any memory issues like if i forget that i did something that's helpful but at the same time this is another tool that I think sometimes AI is touted as like, this is the next big thing. It is. But is it maybe doing the job that we've already figured out ways to do things? And this is kind of people jumping on the train of like, this could solve all of my practice problems. Actually, probably not. It's the systems and mm-hmm. the 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 procedures you use to yeah. do something. And so I love the idea of what Rebecca was talking about as far as, you know, this could help us reach more patients and deliver care to more people, which is what we are always looking to do and best care possible, right? Not just more, but like good care, great mm-hmm. care for all. But I think I foresee that people are going to get on this train and then get discouraged and fall off because it's kind of a replacement for maybe a system that we need to we need to start with the system first or the procedure first and then find the tool that's most appropriate. Right. As Marcus Lomonas points out, he's the no. prophet. Have you ever watched The Prophet? 
He's kind of like, oh, he's great. He's like a one man shark tank. Like someone calls him and goes, hey, my business is great, but it's failing. He comes in and he's like, I have money and know how to run businesses. And then he like walks around their bit. It's almost like undercover yeah. boss, but he's not undercover. And he's trying to figure out like what's wrong with businesses. And if he had to go into every business and start from zero with no framework, it would he wouldn't be able to do it. So he has this framework and it's super easy and it's called the three P's. People, product, process, what you just talked about. And mm -hmm. he's like, the problem is if you actually have a, a business worth saving or worth his time, he's like, there's a problem with one of those three. Maybe you have a great process and a great product, but the the guy at the front desk mm -hmm. is a is a dick like that will ruin that can sink your business right or maybe like you he had one where it was like they were making key lime pies or something like that that was the business in south florida and they their process was just like why are, why does it take you like four days to go from order to shipping it like he's like that needs to be we need to measure in hours and he's like we can solve that problem so i think this is a a process enhancement mm -hmm. opportunity um, but I don't think it replaces people. Well, I mean, it might, scribes might not need to be there. I mean, imagine having, who's the woman who writes the ethics? Oh my God, I APT love her magazine? stuff. Yes. <laughs> I don't like ethics at all. They're boring. But when she puts a problem, I'm yep. like, I'm like, oh, okay. The way she writes. It. But imagine having her sitting there in your no, office. There's right? no way you could afford exactly. that. Right. Just to have, mm -hmm. her. you could, what you could. So it's like, it, it does it add a person to your process? to enhance your product. There's a lot of peas there. Rebecca has some. But I think, I think that there's a way for it to like add you back to your process. Very much so. Because I actually went to see an orthopedist who used Alexa to record the entire encounter. Um, and then I assumed that they generated their documentation based on that. And I had to sign a thing saying that Alexa would be recording the encounter and it was fine. Um, but the, the individual yeah. is much more present during the session. Very much. So I think if we can improve our processes to the point where we don't have to sit in front of a computer that whole time, that we can actually be fully present with the patient and not be worrying about writing stuff down, and we can like focus on the people first connection, then I think you have people, mm -hmm. product, and process there, right? Because yeah. your product is actually your education, the it's, time you spend with the patient, your attention, your intention. Most of what we do is we do not sell a product. We sell a serve mm -hmm. and experience. And I think that's where the rules of the Four Seasons, um, the Ritz Carlton, like we we should. But I'm not saying that you know we we throw out the anatomy and physiology and and brain science. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like understand that this is a service. So imagine you could sit in class in PT school and something could be listening while you're listening and give you those notes and you could be present because that was my problem in pt school I'm like i can't write or type and be listening to julie or sky or whatever and get the context also why am i there if i'm just going to jot down some notes right if i'm just going to be a scribe in my own class like i, I sort of want to like listen so i uh, i agree with this i think it can enhance quality i think it because it can enhance quality and make it a better experience for the therapist and the recipient of care. You can do it better. I think you could do it faster. And because you can do it better and faster, I'm not a mathematician, but that feels like cheaper. And when you win at cheaper, they win at cheaper and we all win at cheaper. Other things that we talked about too, um, now, you know, like motion, motion capture technology, mm -hmm. that's been around. That's getting easier and easier in terms of the tech angle, but it's always been like, and this is what I was taught. I graduated in 2016. It's like, that's nice, but I need it to be fast and and like actionable. But now AI can sort of look at all this data and be like, hey, I, 
I, I, can, I can give you some actionable results from all this razzle. It's cool that you have $50,000 in computers and the cost of those things are coming down. But now I need it to be actionable. I need it to be quick. I need it to be billable. And I feel like AI helps you close that gap on that in terms of motion capture or things that we measure movement. Because as <laughs> the way Drew put it the other day too, I think it was Drew. I talked to a lot of people. He was like, in our profession, our doctoring profession, our most commonly used thing is two pieces of plastic with a bunch of notches on it to measure joint angles. And a lot of times we're doing it over jeans. It's like, <laughs> I'd be, come on, how accurate can that be? But can this help close the gap like, and make it simple and actionable and... The question isn't uh, my. The answer isn't. Yeah, it could. It is. Mm -hmm. It's able to do that now, like yesterday. So that's kind of fun. What else did you guys take? I feel like those were the big points: prediction of care, outcomes, underbilling, overbilling, documentation, sort of freeing us up to do the thing. What else? What else am I missing? What else did I not see? I liked the little part about using chat GPT to help drive some of your treatment choices. Now, I'm not saying that we should like say, hey, mm -hmm. how should I treat this patient every time? But I think we've all had that patient where we're like stuck mm -hmm. or we're like kind of running out of good ideas or maybe they're not connecting with the ideas that we have. And not everybody has another yes. therapist in the clinic with them. Correct. Not everybody can be like, hey, can we talk this out? And if you could just like in preparation for your patient coming in, come up with some different ideas. It might even just spark something. Like you see an idea there and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Or I've clearly overlooked that. Or my biases in my treatment planning and pathway have directed me this way. But AI doesn't have a bias, right? It just gives you the information. Yeah. So if we can use that to help us uh, take off our blinders a little bit and expand directions of care, I thought that was cool. Like I didn't think about that at all. How often do we get stuck in in you know in 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 radio? We call them crutches, right? We what we mean is when the song's ending and I'm coming on, I start a sentence the first couple you know away, and I get into a rut. And then I found that my crutch in in clinical practice was the same damn exercises over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. And how do you get in that rut? AI could look at what you've been done and be like, hey, see what you're doing there. But maybe the patient because our brain craves novelty. Maybe the patient would be this. So it's again, you could use it as as a way mm -hmm. to remove your brain. You could. I don't think that's a great idea. Um, but you could use it as a way to as it be another person. I mean, you've sat next to PTs and be like, hey, so I got this patient and everybody's yep. like, ooh, spill the tea. What do you got here? Something I need some help using that as a tool. Feels like everybody wins. It really there. does. All right. Second article. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add about the AI, AI article? You can also make your the own. The only thing I wanted okay, to add based on that. So I highlighted a quote um, from one of the contributors and it says, we as PTs have been working with handheld tools like a regular screwdriver, which I really appreciated. And they equate or they, you know, kind of compare yeah. AI is now like going from a screwdriver to a power tool. And again, like you can get more stuff done and it's less effort on you to get the thing. But what I really love is there are certain precautions. So this is the quote continuing. There are certain precautions we need to take, like making sure we are wearing the figurative safety goggles, but it is going to make our jobs easier. So yes, AI is definitely here, first of all, period. It is going to make our jobs easier if we leverage that tool appropriately. It is ultimately another tool in our back pocket to use potentially with our clients, with our patients. But we do have to approach it with a with a caution or with an awareness that we can't, you know, again, we talked about you can't remove your brain totally. You still have to use your brain in all of this because you are 
ideally, you know, the doctorate level trained professional who is working with these patients. And so again, you can't turn your brain off is what we're saying here when you use AI, but man, it can be great to have another just person or computer to bounce ideas off of sometimes. And I've really found a lot of value in that. Credit to CJ Morrow. CJ, that was uh, CJ's quote. She's uh, she's on the APTAs. Have you guys heard of the First Council? Frontiers in Rehabilitation Science and Technology or First Council? I'm on their emails. They talk about some interesting stuff. I like um, uh, emails like that or email groups like that because it's very voyeuristic. You watch these people go back and forth. It's like probably the worst way to communicate because essentially it's a giant re reply all. And there's no way to get off of it. So as soon as you get on one of these threads, you're on it for life, unless you change your email address. But it is kind of cool to watch what people are talking about and just sit there and go, huh, like you don't even have to chime in. Like, so I sort of like that. So congrats mm -hmm. or uh, kudos to CJ for making that power trend, uh, uh, analogy. So the, 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 the front page, the centerfold article, the economic value of physical therapy in the United States. I do love how the image is just PT and a guy with TheraBand. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. <laughs> and then we use the most like vanilla, like down yeah. the mayonnaise image. What's whatsoever? Whatever. I'll nitpick. It's hard to find. That article is not about innovation, Jimmy. I know. <laughs> yeah. That article is about tradition. It is about tradition. All right. So talk about this article. Who wants to go first? So this was the, essentially the centerfold article or the, the cover article, Economic Value of Physical Therapy. New APT report shows just how cost-effective physical therapy really is. Elise has I came with Elise notes. Has a lot of, you can tell. Um, <laughs> a lot of notes. I Flip had it. a lot of notes. So again, I come from the cancer rehab world, okay? And so that is very much my bias coming into all of this. I really like the article that was selected to contribute to the cancer rehab section. Like, I have no notes on that article itself. It is a great article because what I really love is that it actually includes a patient population that has been historically excluded from research, which is patients with advanced cancer. So that is really, really exciting from the oncology world. But sure. here's the but. I'm disappointed okay. that that was the only article that was used to kind of establish a number value for cancer rehab, because there is so much more that we bring to the table. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like $3,500 is significant, especially when we're talking about a condition that is as financially toxic as cancer is. But looking- Is there that one again, that's more? Is there a condition that's more that's, financially that's taxable? Saying. Like That's taxable? what I'm saying. Like you compare the $40,000 no, of, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome, I, I know for a fact that cancer rehab is worth so much more. And so that that kind of hurt my heart of like, it's just $3,500. Like we're just quantifying $3,500. And it's interesting because even as far back as 2012 that I found, there's an article by Nicole Stout et al. called Breast Cancer Related Lymphedema Comparing Direct Costs of a Prospective Surveillance Model Versus a Traditional Care um, traditional model of care, and they quantified the thousands of dollars that they were able to save patients based on the 2009 physician fee schedule from Medicare, and that was years ago. And so I'm, it just, it left me wanting a lot. 
Well, if you're going to ask someone called the Onco PT what she thought about this article, and one of the conditions that APTA analyzed was, in fact, cancer rehabilitation. You had to know she was going to go there. But let's give context. So this was a report done with people who know how to do math. True. And they looked into, because we say PT mm-hmm. is valuable, the next question should be, from those people, how how valuable is it, right? So that that was this was a first attempt at one, two, three, four, five, six, eight conditions. You mentioned cancer rehabilitation, carpal tunnel syndrome, mm-hmm. stress urinary incontinence, vascular claudication, acute low back pain. Yeah. Came in a little lower than I thought it would. Osteoarthritis of the knee, lateral epicondylitis, that's ten- tennis elbow commonly referred, and falls prevention mm-hmm. was a little lower than I thought it was. But it's a, it's an attempt. Right. It's in a first, right. first attempt at learning. Uh, of putting an actual value to these conditions. When PT is used with these conditions instead of other things, how much money? So first and foremost, uh, this this report came out, and uh, this is where if I ever worked for APTA, I would just put earmuffs on for the first 48 <laughs> to 72 hours, whenever something like this came out. Because everybody who hates you is going, this is the far left of the bell curve. They're never going to like you. They're all going to hate you, right? What is, how am I going to use this, right? So this really wasn't for the public. This wasn't for clinicians. So we talked earlier before, know your audience is step number one. This was for people in boardrooms and DC and very tall buildings that have pens that make decisions on how many visits or how much money is spent on these conditions and all of the conditions. So let's be very clear about who this was for. And why was so much money spent on this? Because those boardrooms with those pens and those chairs and those views and how tall those buildings are, they make decisions for the clinic in Idaho. Not knocking Idaho, by the way. I'm here for you. Um, but that that's what this report is for at the most basic level. You don't have to read the article. I did. This is a tool for people who, who meet and make contracts and shake hands and sign on dotted lines to say... You asked for numbers, you wanted pages of data and where I got it, and you want to see our math, here's our math. We're not saying this is the perfect math, as Elise just highlighted with cancer rehabilitation, but it's our, I don't want to say first shot, I'm sure other shots have been done, but this is a very, the most recent robust opportunity Mm -hmm. to put a bottom line on our profession. And we're going to keep doing this because this is hard and and it's dense and it's complicated and I'm glad someone else has a calculator and is doing it and it's not me. Uh, Rebecca, you have not chimed in on the on this article. I think if you've ever heard me talk about anything, you have heard me say that we live in a very payer-centered care system, which keeps us from providing patient-centered yeah. care. And I think as physical therapists, the altruistic, like spongy love marshmallows that we are, we're always like, of course, what we do is valuable. We change people's lives. I mean, you hear me all the time saying that I think we make hope visible. We make hope tangible. We give people their lives back and you can't attach a dollar amount to that. But if I call my insurance company, Cigna, and I'm like, hey, like, I really need some physical therapy because I miss running. Like, they don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they do not care. So uh, this, I think, is a really was very savvy of the APTA to be like, hey, like, if payment is such an issue, we need to take the literature, the research that we have, because they don't care about the research mm-hmm. either. They care about the money. They care about the bottom line. And the other thing that I talk about all the time is upstream care, that we need to provide upstream care. And it's very hard to prove that something you did made sure something else didn't happen. And this is a way to do that. It's a way that shows that we did this, so we didn't have to pay that. And I think if we continue to speak this language and get this in front of more people, 
it's going to be way better for us. And if we can also share that with patients, like, of course, we give people their lives back, we show them value. But if we can show them value and then give them the magic, I think yeah. it's going to put us in a good position. I thought uh, Justin Elliott, APTA Vice President for Government Affairs, he had a quote in this one. And he should have a good quote in this one because this is sort of his jam. Uh, and he, he did it on three different Zoom levels, which is national, state, and local. So even if you take nothing away from this conversation except what I'm about to say from Justin – understand that this is valuable at national, state, and local levels. And here's how he said it. He said, I think for APTA, it'll be critical for us to use this in our national advocacy efforts on Capitol mm -hmm. Hill and with federal agencies. That's the widest Zoom we can possibly go. Uh, at the state level, he hopes APTA chapters will use this report uh, as they work to convince legislators to enact policies to expand access. This is why APTA has a headquarters in Alexandria. It's very close to D.C. You can see it but also state chapters, right? All those state chapters. And at a local level, he pictures the report and corresponding resources supporting practices when communicating with commercial payers. Because you do, because you sign a contract. So if you get into, and that is a negotiation, and I know you might feel icky about negotiating. I thought they just gave me a contract and I just had to sign it. That's not how it, that's not how it works. It doesn't have to work that way. So the Zoom, Zoom, Zoom out national, the Zoom in medium state, and then the Zoom, Zoom, Zoom in local, uh, that's mm -hmm. what this is ammo. They just put something in your uh, something in your your super soaker to use. I don't want to use a gun analogy, but super soaker is good. Can I ask a question? Yes. It's like a pot stirring question. Okay. Does any other healthcare professional have to have a report like this justifying why they add value? I think, like, they, do. Uh, I think they already do. I think so. This is my. Do they? I think so. I think they do. Like my doctor doesn't have any graphics in their thing about how, like, if I oh, come just, and get my... Here's why. They won the narrative conversation. So they won the narrative conversation. Likely, they won the narrative conversation because they won that report 20 years ago. I don't know. I'm guessing yes. There's no way we invented... There's no way we're the first perfect. There's just no way. That's where I would put my money anyway. There's no way we thought of this first. I'm the only ones. No, I don't mean we thought of it first. I mean, why do we have to have it? Yeah, it, it sucks. Like, why, um, are we have, why are we the people that are continually having to justify ourselves? Because what we do is largely in, it, it's very difficult to, is uh, tangibly, tangibilize. That's not a word, but AI will. Say I like it. It, it's it's hard to tangibilize, right? It's and you don't know you need it until mm -hmm. oh, I need it yesterday when I cannot climb the stairs, and then everybody's sitting around going, whose problem is it? And to quote somebody else, that's the definition of innovation, which is find a problem. Everybody looks at it and says, mm -hmm. not my not my problem. This isn't my problem. That's someone else's problem. So this is our problem. We own it, and now we need to say that we have to quantify it, not quali yep. qualify. Qualify mm -hmm. is when you do subjective, right? Quantify it. Sub I like subjective objective. It's easier for me to remember. Um, anything else? Oh, I, I wanted to read the numbers too. So you mentioned cancer rehab, thirty five hundred carpal tunnel, yeah. forty thousand dollars. And if you listen, and if you listen to Kate McGee and One HP, like they're the esport PTs, they're and so obviously esport PTs, right? Video gamers. They're like it's mo it's probably actually not carpal tunnel. Like most of the time, they're like I know you think it's carpal tunnel. So like that in and of itself could be like so. First of all. Because how many times do they and this is from mm -hmm. them. This is their. This is what they share a lot. Is people have surgery for carpal tunnel, and then three months later, they're like it's still back, and they're like it's because it wasn't carpal tunnel. That's the problem. So I could see carpal tunnel, but I was dumbfounded because yeah. that was the largest one on here. Urinary uh, stress, urinary incontinence, ten thousand. Vascular claudication, twenty four thousand. Acute low back pain. I'm still stymied that it's forty one hundred dollars. I thought that would. 
I mean, but that's also per. We also know that back pain help hurt, you know, affects the most people or a right. vast amount of people. Prevalence. Osteoarthritis. Prevalence. That's a better science word. Osteoarthritis of the knee, 13 grand. Uh, tennis elbow, 10 grand. Falls prevention. I was shocked too because we know what a fall can do. So this, right. I would question that and low back pain. At falls at 2100 and low back pain at 4100. I'm like, that feels like, because like you go lost revenue alone, inability to work with low back pain. And also if you fall down, it's very difficult to work or now you need caregivers and you need, you know, so those two numbers, I'm sure the math people could show me why that was, but those two were, I was like, oh, I thought those would be the bigger numbers, but that's just me. Someone will comment on this and explain to me why I'm wrong or my, why my gut is wrong. Or I'll just type <laughs> it into AI guys and we'll call it a day. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Yes. Here's why we're wrong. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to article, uh, uh, talk about with these articles before I let you do your parting shots? Well, I really like this little bit that it has with each graphic that says outperforms usual care, including all of the hidden costs of your time, pain, missed life events, and the dollars paid for services. Like I'm living this right now in oh. my surgical recovery. And I'm thinking, I haven't worked in a really long time. I missed an event that I really wanted to go to. Oh, like yeah. all of these things, like all of these things. And to me, like this, that, just that little summary, it talks about the financial cost to you, but it also talks about like the cost of your life and that which is more valuable. And if you can have both of those things together, that's the sweet spot. That's where we bring the hope back. Yeah, it's. it's do you remember that commercial uh, a couple holidays ago? It was like it was almost a mini movie where it's yes. like this older dude who's going out to this yes. woodshed and you don't know what he's doing and he's doing the kettlebells and what he's doing. He's lifting his granddaughter. It's like that. That's a story. You can't put that as a goal somewhere, right? That's not a goal. But is that valuable? I don't know, man. That guy, in theory, lived his whole life to do that, to lift his granddaughter to put up a holiday ornament at the top of the tree. Um, how do you quantify that? This is a shot at doing that. So if you don't like the first one, then let's do a better one next time. Yeah, don't, and don't I do it. think they they did get a, do a good yeah. job of acknowledging that within the article of they literally said this is just the, this is the start, right? This is the beginning. It is not the final. And I do think one thing that I do want to it kind of pulls in again. Rebecca said earlier we're the soft, warm marshmallow, you know, physical therapist that we are. This does not necessarily reflect optimal clinical practice, but instead represent a plausible average physical therapy episode. So I do feel like they acknowledged it to Me? an extent, oh, okay. but still, I mean, you know, again, we're operating over on the fluffy marshmallow, get the old guy to where he can lift his granddaughter up to hang the ornament on the tree kind of goal, right? Uh, that's where we want to be. I do acknowledge that there are like, they tried. I do, th I do appreciate Jimmy, the context you put on it of like, we're not really the target audience of this report. And I do no. think that does help me feel a little better, but I still, I mean, just, just, but the report is for us. It's, it's for someone else to use yes, to speak for us in numbers yes. for that was for us, but it's like, dude, this is a way to, to, uh, to go about it. So, so I, there's a lot of people that went into this. I'm seeing Ellen Hillegas. I know Ellen, uh, Julie Fritz, Greg Bennett, Jason Falvey has been on the show, Kate Minnick and Janet Shelley were the co-chairs. So thank those people who did that because I know something about serving on APT committees. It is a thankless job. Like these guys probably had to defend this like a thousand times on Twitter and whatnot to people for no reason other than doing a thing that was asked for them that we probably can benefit from. All right. Uh, do you guys want to do uh, parting shots? Cool. 
to it. Sound less excited, though. This is The Parting Shot. Parting Shot brought to you by another APTA organization, APTA Orthopedics. Find them online at orthopt.org. Their industry-leading current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy is available now. It's a nice roadmap from wherever you are in your career to maybe taking that OCS exam, getting some letters after your name. You know you want the letters. What you want more is the little badge flag at CSM to say OCS. That's what you really want. You want the badge flag. All right, Elise, Elise, we'll go with a parting shot for you. you I mean, I'm always biased, of course, towards cancer rehab. But, you know, I think this, what we've talked about today is really a a springboard to, you know, just catapult our profession forward in showing up better to serve our patients and to ensure that they get the care that is most appropriate. You know, I wish there was a little more, a little more oomph behind kind of what was talked about in cancer rehab today, but I think it really is just the start. And now it's on us to take it and run with it. Becca, parting shot. So I would, I would say that when we are thinking about our value as physical therapists, particularly if we're feeling burned out, like that there's value in both the intangible and the fiscal of what we do, the physical and the fiscal. And you can see that there in black and white and you can share that and you can know that you're making an impact on your patients, both in a patient centered and peer centered way. And I would also say that I think we need to consider using AI to put the personal touch a little bit more back in physical therapy. So if we leverage that appropriately, Mm -hmm. it's not going to replace us. It's going to restore us. I like that. Uh, I think both of the topics we talked about today help us tell stories and amplify the things that we're already good at. Uh, I talked about this before. One of the principles in marketing marketing is uh, make the invisible visible. And I think this does this with math and it can do this with value. It can also just be a tool. I don't think it, I don't think AI will replace people. I think it will replace people or smoke people who are not, in fact, embracing the tool. Uh, so they say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.